Walking the Dog is a podcast on creation, evolution, genesis, apologetics, biblical issues, and quite frankly, any issue that really takes my fancy that I want to ramble on and on and on about. My name is Paul Taylor, and this podcast is produced on behalf of New Life Creation Ministries and can be found at the website www.justsixdays.com. This is Walking the Dog, episode 12. On the show today, I'm talking about the new book that I started writing, that I'm putting together, which is called Only Believe. It will be called Only Believe, and I'll be inviting you to check the progress of that. I'll be talking to you about how the book came about and uh, giving you some insights into the sort of things that will be going into the book and the scriptural background to the book. So that's all on today's episode of Walking the Dog. Hi there. You know, sometimes some of the comments that I come across from uh, some ultra-conservative writers uh, uh, that put things on Facebook, they never cease to amaze me. They, they simply do not believe or do not expect God to be saying anything actually um, alive to them. This is really odd to me because, you know, I, I came from a solidly reformed background well at least i came into a solidly reformed cessationist background not long after being saved i was actually saved in a um quite a, a lightweight uh, charismatic church but i soon got into um reformed and cessationist uh, ways of thinking when i was at university but even during those times when i prayed i expected to hear god and actually the circle of friends that i was with <laughs> many of whom were cessationist and didn't believe the gifts of the Spirit existed today. But when they prayed, they expected to hear from God. They listened, they expected to hear from God. They believed prayer was a two-way process. Now, it's quite obvious from many um, things on Facebook that I read that people don't expect to, uh, to hear from God. Uh, not only do they not expect to hear from God, actually, let's put it a bit stronger than that, they actually denigrate those who say that they have. Uh, for example, uh, I came across one comment on Facebook that said, look, if somebody claims that God has told them to write a particular book, then you know for a fact that they're wrong. <laughs> now, now this, was, this is a Christian leader and... Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but many of you would know the name if I mentioned it. <laughs> Fairly well known in uh, in many Christian circles. If God has told, if somebody says that God has told you to write a book, then you know that that's wrong. Well, that was never the view of uh, 
reformed leaders in the past and of course many of us who uh, take a charismatic and Pentecostal view while wanting to uh, to adhere to solidly to scripture a lot of us look to Martin Lloyd-Jones as, as, as our hero in many of the things that he said he was he very very keen that this was not the case he expected to be able to hear from people he expected to be able to hear from God uh, it was the case that he would expect people to uh, to hear uh, from God and he made a lot of uh, this particular verse let's just have a look at it it's in Acts chapter 5 Acts chapter 5 verse 32 Peter is speaking to uh, uh, the uh, leaders they're, they're on trial and they're speaking before the council the Sanhedrin and this is what he says when he's talked about everything that's gone on. He concludes his comments by saying, And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And actually, Martin Lloyd-Jones preached a couple of sermons simply on the one phrase, so also is the Holy Spirit, or because, of course, he was tending to quote from the King James Version, so also is the Holy Ghost. He maintained that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and that that is how we would have a witness that God was with us. In fact, he expected that our assurance of salvation would come in this way. And so many of these cessationist leaders these days just disagree with that. They do not expect to hear anything from God. They only, their only assurance of salvation is intellectual. They can work it out from certain passages of Scripture. Now, I'm not going to denigrate that because I think it is very important to be able to work out our assurance of salvation. And it's, it, is, it is rational, it is intellectual, it is okay to read that and study it and understand it. But it's so much more than that. God is actually real. This is what we need to understand. God is actually real, and he really does have fellowship with us. And uh, it's not that he's going to give us any new revelation extra to Scripture. And this is what they cannot understand. He never will do that. Scripture is closed. But he applies these things to our hearts. He seals us and he applies these things to our hearts so that I know that these things apply to me. When I became a Christian, this was not merely intellectual assent. This was not me merely picking a new philosophy. This was me being invaded by the Holy Spirit because I repented and put my trust in Jesus and he came and he dwelt within and on a subsequent occasion, I was baptized into the Holy Spirit. And these things are so real and so important and so necessary. You know, I spend most of my preaching time talking about the book of Genesis and about creation. And, of course, I'm quite happy to go into many of the intellectual reasons why Genesis is true. I'm prepared to uh, to explain these things to you and show that these are foundational, that everything is based on Genesis being true. But this is not cold intellect. The Holy Spirit witnesses to me that Genesis is true. 
I know it's true because the Holy Spirit witnesses to me. Now that, of course, is not the only reason I know it's true. These things are self-evidently true and have a rational intellectual basis, but I know it's true because God speaks with me and I know him. I know him and it's important to know him. Now, that's by way of a long introduction. Why have I gone into all that information on this particular subject? Well, the reason I've done that is because of what I'm going to tell you next. I was praying and fasting. What should I do? What should I do next? You know, it's important to... uh, uh, you know, in the situation I'm in, sometimes I have to do things that will uh, keep cash flow coming in so that I can feed my family. That's always going to be very important. But what should I do next? While I was praying and fasting, I felt very strongly that God was saying, well, you need to be writing. You've got to be writing. This is your strong suit. You're able to write. I don't sell huge numbers of books, but when I do, people seem to value uh, what's written there, so... I should be writing. And, you know, this was very much an impression that came to me as I was praying. And I trust these things. I was asking the question. I believed that I would get a response. So, what should I be writing then? It seemed very much there's a large number of projects that I'm working on. God was telling me I believe that those uh, those were all important and I needed to get on with them. But there were some very, very significant and important things above those. And that is that I needed to write a book. Well, <laughs> there are at least two books that I recently started to write and put on one side. And, you know, they they need writing. I ought to get on with them, but those weren't the ones that uh, God was telling me to write. Uh, He was saying, no, I want you to write a book which is entitled Only Believe. Only Believe. So I had to look those particular two words up. I knew roughly what they were referring to, but I needed to look them up so that I could get the detail of what they were all about. Well, the words concerned are found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Well, you clearly need context for that uh, particular Um, uh, accounts so that you know what context uh, in which the words are being spoken so we better have a a little bit of context Um, first of all let's uh, read from Mark chapter 5 and verse 21 the beginning of this particular account now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. 
Now, we'll have a lot more to say on uh, this particular passage later, but just for now, we need to notice that there is a considerable amount of belief on the part of uh, Jairus uh, at this point. He's the ruler of the synagogue, so, you know, he's not really supposed to be associating with Jesus. You know, this is the same Jesus who had been turned out of synagogues for uh, speaking about... um, uh, you know, just claim, reading, of course, from Isaiah and claiming this applied to him. And in other words, he was the Messiah. Uh, but Jairus is the, what, the ruler of the synagogue, and one, or at least one of the rulers of the synagogue, and he's, uh, he's coming, and he wants Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter. She's at the point of death. She's very, very ill. But he, he notice he does believe. He says uh, she, uh, she may be healed and she will live. He knows that if Jesus comes and does this, then she will live. And he wants he wants this done fast, obviously, because his daughter is at the point of death. Now, what happens next, which is worth, uh, uh, you know, it's a whole sermon in itself, is that suddenly there's an interruption. There's a woman who pushes her way through, and she wants to be healed. She grabs hold of Jesus' cloak. She's had this issue of blood for a long time. There's an enormous sermon can be just preached on this particular passage. All I want to notice at the moment is it's an interruption in what's going on. And yes, there's a wonderful miracle here with this woman. Um, Jesus knows the power's gone out of him and he, he speaks to her and he talks about how he's healed. Now, can you imagine how Jairus and his followers are feeling at this moment, the multitude that's thronging and going with him? Uh, how do they feel? Come on, Jesus, hurry up, please. This little girl is at the point of death. We know that you can heal her. They've got that much faith that Jesus can heal her. But here he is dealing with this woman. Every second counts as far as they know. They're waiting. They're waiting. And then this interlude finishes. And then uh, Jesus' attention is brought back to Jairus then. So uh, he's uh, verse 34. He's uh, been speaking to the, uh, the lady who had the issue of blood. Daughter, your faith has made you well, he says. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So we read on from verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. So this really is the key verse at this point. Don't be afraid, only believe. Now we just pointed out that Jairus believed before, presumably the multitude with him. He said, you know, my daughter's uh, ill, you come. She lay hands on her, she may be healed, and she will live. So he knew that Jesus had the power to do this, but his faith only spread so far. His faith didn't spread beyond death. And I think really that Jesus deliberately allowed her to die so that the faith of this man would be made greater and the glory of God would be made greater because we know that this this story will, will end with the little girl being raised from the dead and being restored completely back to health. But uh, as I said, what about Jairus and the other people? What are they thinking when there's this woman around? They're, they're really nervous. They want Jesus to get on with moving. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Of course, he's just been told your daughter's dead. It's too late. Surely nobody is powerful enough to raise the dead. What faith they had. 
They must have heard of people being raised from the dead. They must have heard of what Elijah had done. Uh, uh, so, you know, they'd heard of people being raised from the dead. They may have uh, heard rumors of what Jesus was capable of doing. But, you know, Abraham had never even seen anyone raised from the dead, and yet he was prepared to sacrifice Isaac. He would have gone through with killing Isaac because, uh, we're told in Hebrews 11, he'd figured that God could raise the dead. He'd figured that out himself. He knew in his heart that that's what, uh, that's what had happened because he knew the God who he dealt with, the things that, uh, that God was like uh, from his conversations with him. So... Jairus doesn't have that much faith and the people with him don't have that much faith but Jesus is saying don't be afraid don't be afraid you know you think everything's gone you love your daughter very much uh, you love the little girl so much and you want her back to health back to life again but don't be afraid I can sort this out don't be afraid only believe and at this point, we need to think, what evidence had Jesus offered? What evidence had Jesus offered in support of uh, the fact that he was asking him to believe? And the answer is none. The evidence was still to come. The evidence was in the light of Jesus' words. Uh, the, pro the proclamation comes first, the evidence comes second, and the evidence is based on that proclamation. This is the way round that we find things in Scripture. We start with the proclamation of God's word. Jesus says, only believe. He didn't even just say, believe. There are many occasions when Jesus had said, you need to believe in the Son of Man. You need to believe. We know, we read this through the Old Testament, through the whole of the New Testament, rather. This is, the, this is so important oh, that we're told to believe. But Jesus says here, only believe. No evidence has been offered, but Jesus says, only believe. Now, as we go on, as I, as I try to get into this book, I'm going to analyze this passage so many times, but we need to start from this point that there is a presupposition to our beliefs. We start with the presupposition. It's the presupposition that God is who he said he is. He exists internally. He always has existed as three persons in one, one God, eternally, three persons coexistent. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are equal, but the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father. Three persons in one, this is the way that they exist, and Jesus is saying, only believe. This is the, what we start with, the nature of God himself. That's why we're not to be afraid. That's why this is the important starting point. Only believe. There is nothing, there is no background for that belief. There is no evidence for that belief apart from the foundation, the strong foundation that we should begin with, that this is who Jesus is. We know who he is. We've seen who he is. We've, we've heard what he's declared himself to be. Therefore, we have every reason to say only believe. We don't have external, neutral data because God doesn't provide that. Jesus could have said, you know, um, watch this miracle. Look at the miracles that I've already done. Think about those things. But no, he's not referred to any of those. Jesus simply says, only 
believe. That is the basis. Everything else flows from that. And, of course, Jairus would have plenty of evidence afterwards. A great testimony to be able to give. So it is little girl. As she grew into womanhood, uh, you know, I was supposed to die. Can you imagine her being at age 22 giving a testimony? I was supposed to die. Uh, my father prayed for me. My father went, uh, humbled himself and went to the person that he wasn't even supposed to go and talk to, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. Um, my father had enough faith to believe that, but he had even more faith because God uh, told him, Jesus told him, only believe, only believe. Yes, he said believe, but he didn't just say believe. He said only believe. There is nothing else other than belief that we should start with. This is the presupposition that we start with. Well, having explained everything about uh, the introduction to that book, that's where God had taken me. And there's so much more that uh, that needs to be said. Uh, basically, the book, therefore, is going to be a book about presuppositional apologetics. <laughs> if I'd started by saying that, some of you would have switched off. Uh, there's some of you, though, who would have said, great, uh, we're going to get a Paul Taylor-style book, hopefully re easy to read, on the subject of presuppositional apologetics. Yeah. You know, forget all this... Um, nonsense about hearing from the holy spirit this we're just going to get this solid stuff well it's all solid stuff and i've introduced it to you and said that i believe that god's told me to write this book um i believe that and therefore i'm going to get on and do it it's so important to get on and do it but that doesn't mean i'm claiming extra biblical revelation this book will be about scripture this book will quote from scripture this book will lead you into scripture this book will not add to scripture though uh, um, i am not uh, a vessel bringing new scripture there is no new scripture the canon of scripture is closed but we can hopefully see that this has a prophetic element to it in that i believe this is a message that needs to get out to the generation today that this is how we defend our faith because jesus has told us that we're not to believe because of evidence. We're not to believe and add what we know about other things. Jesus says, only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Have you been confused by the Noah movie? There's no reason to be. What you need is a good book that will help you understand everything about the flood in nice, easy to understand terms. Which is why I wrote the book, Don't Miss the Boat. See, at the time of Noah and the Flood, there were a lot of people who missed the boat. Don't you miss it? You get hold of the book, described as a must-read by creation speaker Carl Kirby at www.justsixdays.com. And he permitted no one to follow him, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and saw a tumult in those who wept and wailed loudly. Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child, and those who were with him, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. 
Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. So there you have it. That's the uh, reason, uh, the beginning analysis of uh, the book, Only Believe, why I'm putting it together. You can hear about progress and you can read about progress by going to my website, www.justsixdays.com. You can find out things like whereabouts in the country I'm speaking, and uh, you can find out how to book me there. And uh, you can find about about the other books that, uh, that I produce, and you can buy some of those as well on the website. Um, you'll find that there's a, a new uh, video series that I'm doing called Genesis by Numbers you'll find that on there I'm putting together this Bible study series um, at the moment I've got three videos up there now please I am asking for a donation of one dollar per person per episode um, so when there's a new episode please donate again for that new episode um, if you've donated once I'm trusting you um, you can click on the special button that's there so you can proceed without donation I am well aware that some people can get just straight through to find the videos without donating at all but I'm relying on Christians uh, doing the right thing and uh, uh, just uh, clicking on the donation button and so that they can they can donate one dollar the first time they go to that uh, video Genesis by numbers will be a series of expositions uh, I've got the film series the six days of Genesis which are expositions of Genesis 1 and 2 so I'm starting from chapter 3 and the first three um, uh, broadcasts was an introduction and then two expositions on Genesis chapter 3. I'm taking it uh, all the way through uh, the book of Genesis so that uh, we can we can get right the way through uh, all 50 chapters bit by bit in expositions and we'll have videos of those then eventually on the website. Please do look at that. Um, just uh, make suggestions, please, about new products that you'd like to see. That's one. I am putting together a course on apologetics, which I'm doing in conjunction with Striving for Eternity Ministries, strivingforeternity.org. So where can I be seen? Uh, well, speaking of Striving for Eternity Ministries, I'm speaking at a conference that they're organizing in California near San Jose. You'll find that at their website, strivingforeternity.org. It's the NorCal Fire Conference, uh, North California Fire, NorCal Fire. And uh, that conference can be found uh, at strivingforeternity.org. I've got links from my website there. I'll be speaking... Um, uh, Andrew Rappaport will be speaking and Greg Kukul will be speaking and that should be a good time for, uh, for everyone on that particular occasion uh, so just uh, have a look at that please uh, in August uh, August 12th I'm on a visit to Washington State I'm actually going to be having a look at uh, the area around Mount St. Helens which is a great thrill to me and I will be uh, I'll be having a look at the um, um, Seven Wonders Creation Museum. Please do have a look at that museum if you happen to be in the area. It's a small creation museum on the road up to the mountain. I will be speaking at Church of All Nations in Portland, Oregon on Sunday the... Now, let me get this right. 11, 10. It's the 17th, Sunday the 17th of August. At the end of August, I'll be flying up north... Um, 
Uh, August the 31st, I'll be speaking uh, in Lombard near Chicago at the Lombard Assembly, uh, Assemblies of God Church there. Um, I'll be speaking there in the morning and um, then on Tuesday, September the 2nd, I'll be speaking to the Midwest Creation Fellowship uh, at a meeting in Carroll Stream near Chicago. Um, Thursday, September the 4th, I'll be in Davenport at uh, a meeting of the uh, uh, Quad Cities Creation uh, Foundation. Uh, then I'll be traveling to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I'll be speaking to the Green Bay um, Genesis Fellowship. Uh, I'll be there on the 5th, uh, September the 5th, and September the 6th, um, there's a place south of Green Bay, is it Appleseed or Appleboro, something like that. Uh, that's where I'll be speaking, somewhere south of Green Bay. Have a look at uh, the website for details. Uh, that's a whole day thing that on the 6th of September we'll be doing a lot of stuff there during the day and maybe some uh, stuff during the evening. I'll be doing at least four lectures that day. It could be six in the end. We'll see how that goes. Sunday I will be speaking uh, at a church in that area and uh, then I'll be travelling to Lindenhurst to speak to uh, the Midwest F uh, Creation Fellowship North it's Lindenhurst on the outskirts of Chicago and uh, that will be it, that will be on the 8th of September, Monday the 8th of September so it's a, a very detailed uh, tour um, NorCal 5, if you're going there, please remember that is the uh, 12th and 13th of September. And uh, I, I, so it's a place called the Home Church, and it's near San Jose. I'm not quite sure the name of the actual town, but it's near San Jose in California. So those are the places you can see me. If you want to book me for a talk, please go to my website, justsixdays.com. Um, the work that I do, we call it the New Life Creation Ministries because it basically comes under the authority and the covering of New Life Church, uh, a small organic church meeting in, um, uh, in Pensacola, <laughs> the Drowsy Poet Coffee Company in Pensacola. So have a look at that. You can find details on my website, just six days dot. Well, this has been a production of New Life Creation Ministries, just sixdays.com. Please tune in again next time we have a podcast, Walking the Dog. God bless. Goodbye. Walking the Dog was a production of New Life Creation Ministries. It can be found at the website just sixdays.com. The program featured Paul Taylor and was produced, written, directed and everything else by Paul Taylor who also made the coffee and did all the recording and moved all the little bits around on the computer screen. To find out more about this project, go to www.just6days.com.